What up, what up, what up? Time for another fantastic episode here. Happy Thursday, everybody. Uh, big stuff today. Finally get to see NFL. You know, it is preseason action, but that just means we're one week closer to kickoff. College football, of course, traditionally starting one week before regular season kickoff for the NFL. Better times ahead. Better times ahead. Going to have some NFL talk at the end of the show. Um, answer a couple of fan mail questions as well. Main segment today is going to be geared at Nets drama. Who guessed it? <laughs> Kevin Durant, man. Uh, big news coming out of KD's camp. Um, seems like he's kind of akin to liking to go to two teams that we've heard sort of in the last 36 hours. Boston, which is no surprise, um, kind of. We've known that for a while. And he's had some other teams, Suns, Miami, New Orleans, some other stuff. For whatever reason, whether it's the designated rookie rule for the Heat and Suns with um, Aiton and uh, whatnot with Bam, and the Pelicans basically not willing to part with BG or uh, Brandon Ingram, and now it really is Boston. We've heard they tried to basically get a deal done before. Sounds like Kevin Durant has expressed interest in going to Boston, but he wants to also play with Marcus Smart. And I just don't see them being able to get a deal done that doesn't include Marcus Smart, along with Jalen Brown and some picks and some players, short of maybe swapping Tatum for Brown, which I know the Celtics don't want to do, right? Kevin Durant goes to that team. There's a strong chance he's the leader. Jason Tatum takes a number two Robin role, which I, I really think that's going to happen. Heard some pushback on that from some of my friends. But look, Tatum, Tatum's a great ascending player, but we've seen time and time again when his team needs him the most in the playoffs, he's shrunk. And we've seen time and time again with KD in the playoffs, you know, if he's regular season and health aside, when he's there in the playoffs, he's the best player on the court for multiple teams. He's done it year in and year out, multiple finals MVPs. Even with the Nets, maybe not so much this past season. A lot happened, a lot of extraneous stuff. But the year, you know, when they played Milwaukee and he lost by a toenail, I mean, he dropped basically like back-to-back 50-point games. Like, that's absurd, dude. Absurd. But regardless, um, new teams coming in, or I should say team, coming into the fold here. Kevin Durant, reports coming out from people I trust, saying that he wants to go to either Boston, again, no surprise, or our very own Philadelphia 76ers. Now, I've had some time to digest this news since yesterday. Um, lots and lots of thoughts about this, um, but to really understand... I want to kind of break it down here. Why would Kevin Durant want to go to Philly? Why? He was just with James in Brooklyn. James bailed. Probably some resentment there at the time. Didn't seem like those two were going to continue their friendship. But here we are. We saw this past week, past weekend, that Kevin Durant and James Harden were kicking it Astro World style with Travis uh, with Travis Scott and at his concert and backstage. We know Harden and him are always tight, and Katie has gone to stuff like this before with James um, and Travis Scott as well. So maybe it's just tradition, but honestly, I think there's something going on there. I think KD has kind of looked in the mirror after this whole offseason and goes, look, <laughs> I think James is right, man. James just got out at a better time. He's like, look, I like Daryl Morey. I like what the Sixers have. I don't see that in this room. I want out. I want out. I don't want to play with Kyrie anymore. I don't like the pieces we have. I want out. And, you know, all that drama aside, James got out. And I think Kevin at the time, maybe not resented him, but definitely had to be upset and felt like he got bailed on. But I think ultimately they are friends. 
And I think over the offseason, they've been hanging out at times, and they've been talking. I mean, how can you not? It's their job. We talk about our jobs with friends outside of work. And I don't know. I think there's some real truth to this story. I think Kevin Durant would not hate the idea of playing with James Harden again. I don't think that was Kevin Durant's issue in the first place. I think he looks around at the roster in Brooklyn and goes, Damn, James, you are onto something, bro. This Kyrie thing isn't exactly, you know, sunshine and rainbows. Uh, then you got freaking Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons, <laughs> who reportedly after Game 3 was in a group chat with his teammates, heading you know into Game 4 and his teammates asking him, is he going to be ready for Game 4 back when that was in the air, when they put, played the Celtics in the first round of the East? And reportedly Ben Simmons left him on red and just left the group chat. Now, if that's true, I, I <laughs> there's like no way that can be true. But if anybody it's true for, it's got to be Ben Simmons. He's one of the most pettiest players in the league. And yeah, I apologize. It's going to be our weekly Ben Simmons slander run here for the next couple of minutes. But, I mean, come on. If anyone's going to do that, it's Ben Simmons, dude. And I think KD's looking around in the offseason going, some of these good teams are getting better. Philly's only going to get better with a full offseason with James and Embiid and all those guys. Boston's going to be reloading them back. Miami's always going to be good. Golden State's going to be good. Dallas is ascending. Clippers are healthy with new pieces. All these teams getting better, right? Katie's looking around the Nets and said, we got swept in the first round. We got swept. Swept in the East, the first round. A team with potential title favorites starting the year with that trio. Granted, they did lose James, but they were still heavily favored especially early on in that series. And I think Kevin's finally realizing now that the dust has settled and all this stuff is kind of out there, that he's looking around the room and he's like, we cannot win a championship. Even with, with me on this team, we cannot win a championship. We really can't. And I think he, he has you know legitimate ring-chasing aspirations, and he wants to go to Boston or Philly to try to make that happen. Now, the other aspect with Kevin Durant I'm hard-pressed to find a superstar, and I'm talking superstar, like LeBron, KD, Tom Brady, like superstar athlete in one of the major sports. It's hard-pressed to find one of them that's more available to the common fan than Kevin Durant. It used to be burner accounts left and right. Now, I mean, he probably still has some. I mean, old habits die hard, right? But it seems like he's more active on Twitter or, you know, consistently active on Twitter than... The majority of other superstars we've ever seen. It's like a random fan can tweet him something and he responds. And yeah, most of the time it's jokes or it's him, you know, putting somebody else down because somebody put him down, like childish stuff. But he's the most accessible superstar that I can even remember. It feels like I could just tweet him right now and I got a 50-50 shot of hearing back from when I before I wake up tomorrow, you know? Which is just crazy when you put it together with the fact that nobody really knows Kevin Durant. Right? When has a superstar been this accessible to the general public and we know so little about him? Right? Everyone has their different opinions on Kevin Durant. He's ring chasing. He wants to jump che- jump teams to win rings. Oh no, Kevin wants to go to Brooklyn or go to a team and build it himself and prove that he can do it without Steph and all this stuff and everything that we hear. We don't know a damn thing and that's the truth. What I'm saying is speculation. I mean, we hear reports, but there's speculation at this point, too. Really, no one knows what Kevin Durant is going to do, except for Kevin Durant himself. And 
I think that's exactly how KD wants it, right? I think he likes being in that position and likes, you know, being on Twitter and talking to random people and jabbing people who jab him first. And, you know, I can't say that there's anything wrong with that, really. (laughs) It's not the most professional thing in the world, but he's not out in the world doing terrible things. And so so the point goes to saying we really don't know where Kevin Durant's going to end up. We just don't. So, um, nonetheless, we hear these recent reports. Philly, Boston, like we talked about, Boston has more draft capital to trade. Philly really doesn't have any draft capital after the James Harden deal and some other deals. They don't really have any first-round picks other than pick swaps that they could offer Brooklyn. Um, Obviously, they just had some swaps in the deal they just did um, this past season. But Philly really only has second-round picks, some rotational players that maybe aren't as good as some of the rotational players on the Nets, and then they really only have Tobias, which I know Philly would move in a heartbeat. I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Tobias on and off the court, but his contract is huge. He performs well in the playoffs, he does. He just We just wish we'd get just one ounce more from him when we need him most, um, year in and year out. I know Philly would love to move him in the package with Kevin Durant. The problem is, <laughs> he's not enough, right? He's not enough. You need Matisse, Dybul, uh, which, honestly, I love him, but he's not showing the offensive progression that I would love. So um, I wouldn't mind having him in the deal for Kevin Durant at this point. Ask me a couple of years back, there would have been a different answer. But um, another player that's fairly obviously circulating around these rumors, Tyrese Maxey, who, in my opinion, per value, is probably the steal of his draft class. The dude is ascending like a rising young superstar. One of the best at his position for somebody, you know, within the first three years of the league. And he shows up in the big moments for the most part. He can shoot. He can dribble. He can play defense for his size against other similar size guards. He can finish both hands. Some beautiful lefty finishes um, in the playoffs and, and regular season last year. And really can have these bursts where not only is he playing really well and playing more mature than his age, he's a leader. At times, for the team and the community, with a guy, with Joel Embiid, with Toby, with all these veterans that Philly loves, he's a leader. And in turn, Philly loves you for that, Maxi. <laughs> like, and I and I think Tyrese knows that, and I think Sixers front office realized that. They, the people off limits in this trade, 100% off limits. There's two. Tyrese Maxi and Joel Embiid, they're 100% off limits. No scenario where those two are included in this trade. And I'm not saying Brooklyn necessarily wants Embiid, obviously, with Simmons. <laughs> that would be pretty funny. I feel bad for Joel there, but um, they want Maxi. And I think if you offer like a second Maxi, uh, Matisse, and Toby, with, you know, like we talked about last episode, the Nets not having any leverage since KD basically said, I'm not playing again for you until you trade me. So they really have to accept a deal under Kevin Durant's worth. That we know. But I just I can't see the Sixers including Tyrese Maxey. And honestly, from a personal level, I'd be furious. Even for a player with Kevin Durant to pair with Harden and Embiid, we might have a shot at a ring, but who knows how long those guys can play, stay healthy, be friends, work together, be leaders in the city. I don't see it. Tyrese Maxey is a young, ascending superstar that we've proven, we've seen it with our own eyes, that he's getting better as you know, not in years, even in months of the season, he gets better. 
so quickly. And not only that, the city, he's beloved, beloved in the city already. And it's guys like that that are hard to find in the city of Philly. Guys that play well, have that bright, positive energy with all, you know, the harsh criticism of fans and really give back to the city and can ascend to be leaders in Philly. But if you find a guy like that, you have to lock him down. Joel, there were, you know, in the beginning, I remember it was always Simmons or Embiid. We got to pick one. We got to pick one. And so polarizing. And that was really before Embiid fully committed. He fully got healthy. He lost weight. He really committed to Philly and kind of fit into his role and said, all right, I know what the city likes. I know what is important to them. This is what I have to do. This is how I have to work. This is who I have to become and who I have to embody to be beloved and to be a better basketball player on and off the court. And I give Embiid props. He did that. And I think Maxi has learned that at a much younger age than Embiid. You know, he's a bright personality. He can take some criticism. And he's only ascending. And he's a good leader already. You cannot give a player like Tyrese Maxey up for a couple of years at a shot at a ring with Kevin Durant. Absolutely freaking no. No way. I'm not doing it. But Philly, you know, Daryl Morey, he can wheel and deal. Okay? I'm not ruling it out that they can't do like a Toby, Tease, couple of draft picks, maybe pick swaps, um, as well as a bunch of rotational players. It's just the fact that Boston has more assets to trade in terms of movable assets. Um, so I think Boston move is probably the destination here and they ultimately get something done because they can offer more draft capital than Philly can. Uh, but Philly would do this in a heartbeat. They would, you just can't have Embiid Maxi in those trades. You got it. They would give Toby in a second. They give Tease. they give the other rotational players and it's all going to come down to what Boston is willing to give up. If Boston's willing to go one step further than Philly, then he's going to go to Boston at this point, the Nets are just looking for the best deal. And since a lot of teams are out because of financial caps or, or you know, limitations or KD just is like basically going to not play ever again if he goes to that team. Uh, so there's very few options and what teams are willing to give up in return, especially knowing Kevin Durant's health, um, his commitment potentially to a city or a team uh, that can be wavering, to say the least, that we've seen in Brooklyn and in the past. And... What they have ultimately to give up, like we talked about, we heard the Pelicans might be a good choice. But, I, I mean, they're pretty loaded. They're a young team. They kind of have their core and have their leaders. KD would be an upgrade at any position for sure, but do you really want to give up Brandon Ingram and some players? I don't. I don't, man. Brandon Ingram can ball. He's a baller, dude. He, he's younger. He's a baller. Lakers are kicking themselves for letting you know their prospects, especially a guy like that, get out the door for a guy who's injured half the year every year. Like, I'm afraid if we move Maxi that he's just going to turn into like this player who continues to ascend. And I'm not saying he's the next Luka or the next LeBron, but he's going to be an NBA All-Star. He will be. If he continues to ascend, he will be an NBA All-Star. Okay? I'm not trading a decade of that and Toby and whatever for... Who knows how many years of Kevin Durant? Who really knows? Right? So whichever team gets this deal done, they have all the leverage. Right? Brooklyn has none. He's going to have to get dealt at some point. He has to. He's made that clear. The Nets have made that clear. So that helps both of these teams. It's just going to come down to which one of these teams wants to go a little bit further than the other to get a player like Kevin Durant. And this is one of those situations as a fan, as a lover of sports, be careful what you ask for. Be careful. As a kid, if this is happening, 
I'd be all over it, to the moon, 24-7, rocking it. Um, personally learned my lesson back with the Eagles Dream Team um, in the, you know, just after 2010, those early earlier years. Chip Kelly, um, God, Vince Young, we had like three all-star corners, Awesome all these guys, Santa Sam, all, all these guys, dude, and loaded on both sides of the ball, and we were a joke joke yeah kelly had a couple of 10 win seasons but with that dream team we were we so underperformed it was a joke and the most depressing nfl season i can remember honestly and since since the eagles lost when i was a kid in the 04 super bowl but so i'm tempering my expectations uh i think kd would ultimately make the team better especially if you can hang on i mean look i mean come on and bead kd maxi harden on the floor together hell you roll me out in the fifth lineup spot and <laughs> we're going to be a top seed in the East. I mean, come on. That's that's just unfair. That's unfair. Harden and Maxi handling the guard duties. You know, Kevin Durant also handles the ball quite a lot. Embiid's production may go down a little bit. He's still going to be a force, but how do you match up defensively? And Kevin Durant is long. He can D up. He's light. He's skinny, but he can D up because he's long. Right? Embiid locks down the middle. They got shooters. Kevin Durant, Harden, Maxi, a couple of role players. That's a championship team. That's a championship contending team. Same with Boston. I mean, depending who they trade. Championship team, you know, obviously they kind of are already. But championship team with Kevin Durant on it. 100%. But can't wait to see how this news unfolds. I'm sure we'll hear more of this, you know, in the next couple of days um, as this kind of foils out. But it's got to happen soon, folks. It's got to happen soon. It's insane. We are so lucky. We have the NFL on deck. College football on deck, the NBA on deck with the Kevin Durant news. Just a beautiful time, you know, with sports here ahead. Several months, several, several months of just pure bliss, pure sports. And I'm absolutely 100% here for it. We're about to enter the best time of year, the fall, late summer, football, NBA getting back. I can't wait. Seriously, going to be amazing. But um excited to see where kevin durant goes see if these philly talks heat up at all and interested to see how like josiah the nets kind of try to regain any leverage they can and see if they can get a fraction of what kevin durant's worth in return again shorter podcast today wanted to transition into basically henry ruggs antonio brown um recent news on them just in light of all these players kind of recently getting in trouble you know ex-players current players um and provide some updates on those. And then at the end, we'll get into a couple of fan mail questions. Um, Henry Ruggs, right, that horrible incident last year in Las Vegas. Um, I, I think I saw the, the penalty minimum is two years. The maximum, I think, is 20 um, for what he did, killing that person, um, reckless driving. And just terrible, terrible stuff. But that aside, um, reports that he has basically been granted a three-hour time slot a couple of times a week to work out at a top-tier facility, like one that trains NFL athletes and pro athletes. Uh, so it goes to show, what's what's going on here? What's going on? You know, does he have a good legal team? Is he going to be able to somehow weasel out of this one in a year or two and get back to the NFL? Seems like, to me, he's making a comeback. Maybe he just loves the game. Maybe he just wants to stay in shape. Maybe it's just a part of him that he feels basically safe in and emotionally and mentally safe where he can you know continue to work out frustrations and things like that in a in a more helpful way to himself and to others 
Um, but maybe he's training for a comeback. Maybe he sees the Raiders, or maybe he just... It's probably not even about the Raiders, honestly. It's, it's probably about, look, I was an ascending star. I was sick in college. Everybody wanted me. I had my chance. I was looking to have a good NFL career, and I'm, I, I made a dumb mistake, and I ruined it. Everyone thinks I ruined it, and he very well might have. But the thing that the NFL has shown us, pro sports has shown us, is no matter what your personal issues you can play. If you are available and you are good, you will play. So if Henry Ruggs continues to train, obviously being away from football is not going to make you better. Even if you're training, you got to play football. It's one of those sports you can't just miss. But interesting, I don't think he's given up on his career when many people just kind of wrote him off. So maybe not an immediate development in that story, but we'll see how the whole legal situation ends up playing, how much he actually ends up serving. I assume his money is going to get him good good representation and he'll have a minimal penalty, penalty compared to another person in society that would have done this. That's just how money works. That's just the world, uh, not exclusive to football players. But interesting to see if he's going to make a comeback. And if I'm him, I mean, I did something terrible. Obviously, I'm working on myself to repent and become a better person and try to change people's lives in a positive way. I hope that he does the same. But I couldn't give up football either. Right? It's such a huge part of your life. It's an area where you excelled, where you felt safe, where you were a winner coming out of Alabama. So whether it's just a way for him to vent and you know, a place for him to feel safe at this point with all the other stuff going on in his life, the negative energy, um, honestly, I'm not putting a comeback you know, NFL career-wise, not this season or anything, but um, an NFL comeback out of, the, uh, out of the realm of possibility. So... I'll be following that situation closely, see if there's any other updates. But again, not necessarily a breaking story, but I wanted to bring that up just because it kind of transitioned to a recent uh, quote I saw from Antonio Brown that I thought was fake, okay? But lo and behold, I should have known better. (laughs) It's Antonio freaking Brown, people. (laughs) It's Antonio Brown. Like, we haven't heard about him for the past couple of months after the last incident, and seems like his NFL career is over. Many people forget, I know I don't, but many people forget, he was many people's favorite player for the better part of the decade, and other than maybe Julio, I, I would argue that he was a statistical, a better receiver uh, than Julio, and healthier, for a near nine-year nine year stretch in the league where he was just the best receiver, he was dominant, so many touchdowns, so many catches, so many yards, nobody could guard him, he was unguardable, unguardable, right, and then he's had multiple issues, that have given him trouble and ultimately led to every team being out on him at this point. But wanted to share this quote. Again, thought it was fake, and then I saw it on his actual account a couple of days later. And who knows? Still could be fake. Easy to fake things these days. But if this is real and anyone said this, it's Antonio Brown. And here's the quote. I'll read it um, for those of you out there that haven't seen it. Antonio Brown answering a question on his biggest regret. He goes on to say, quote, My biggest regret in my entire career doesn't involve calling my GM a cracker or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet or throwing rocks at that UPS driver, and it definitely doesn't involve taking my shirt off and doing a victory lap around the Jet Stadium mid-game while throwing up deuces. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. Sure, I can watch the game afterwards. But I can't imagine what that was like for you, all of you, to see something like that. 
It's like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. End quote. Folks, is that not the most Antonio Brown thing you have ever heard in your entire life? <laughs> like, real or not, he probably said it. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's, that's ridiculous. Obviously, these guys have confidence. Some are cocky. Some are narcissistic. This is an entire new level. This, <laughs> like, Jesus? At the Red Rocks? Come on. Like, dumb act after dumb act. And all of that aside, he is over the hill of his prime, obviously. But he can still be on a team and compete for rings, as a lot of veterans do these days in, in today's NFL. And it's quotes like this, after months and weeks of not hearing from Antonio Brown, that other teams see uh, that don't have daily contact with him and, and fans see, and we're like, we're not touching this guy with a 10-foot pole. We can't. Nobody's touching Antonio Brown. N- honestly, we talk about no matter what your issues, if you're good, you can play. Um, I just don't think that he's in his prime. He's not the best receiver in the league that, you know, if Devontae Adams had some stuff going on like this, um, or some of these, you know, Cooper Cup or anything like that, uh, we would probably be able to overlook these issues. We honestly probably would, right? And we often did in Antonio's career when there was only a couple of issues and he was still at the top of his game. But as his game slowly declined as he aged and the issues continued to occur and pile up, we just realized that he is untouchable. He's untouchable. It's okay to be a little narcissistic, you know, in the NFL. You're making a ton of money. People, you're beloved. There's so much fandom from kids all the way up to grandparents loving you if you play well for their team and represent their city. But this level of narcissistic behavior, no one can tolerate it unless you're literally the best at your job. You can have a really jackass boss. You know, somebody you work with who's just a pain in the ass. But if they're the number one person at what they do, they're going to have a job. Okay, folks? I hate to break it to you. The nice guy doesn't always win. All right? I'm sure many of you have learned that by now. But if you're the best at your job, you will have a job. You will be famous or infamous uh, at this point. But you will have a job and you will kick ass at it. Because that's what these people do. But it's hard, right? You can't be the best forever. Something else will come come along, newer, shinier, better, you know, as we age. And you start to lose a grip on that prime, on that number one tier, A-plus level performance. But you know what you don't lose often? Who you are. Okay? Who you are. He's narcissistic, right? He gave me a lot of good memories as a football fan. Uh, not a fan of the Steelers by any means, but contributed there and the Bucks as well. And a lot of good memories for football fans. Just an electric player. Honestly, if you just take his career what it is, he's a Hall of Famer. He really is. I don't know if he'll get in because of all this stuff, but it seems like it's easier to get into the Hall these days. And plus, his career speaks for himself. Just throw on some tape. It's unreal. Unreal. The guy is a highlight machine. Very few players like him in a prime like his. But at the end of the day, he can't get his own foot out of his own mouth. He's too narcissistic, too self-absorbed. You know, comparing himself like Jesus, sounding like Kanye. It's just, 
incredible stuff. I, I don't know. I just felt the need to share that because it's a player that I, you know, used to love on and off the field before all these issues came. And and now we've seen how the mighty can fall when your performance dwindles and you let your continued negative behavior, you know, perpetuate your career and, and show your true colors. Um, honestly, the last thing I'll say on this, um, and, you know, I've heard this opinion before. It's nothing groundbreaking, but shout out Mike Tomlin. Like, dude, <laughs> no matter what you think of Mike Tomlin, right? Like, oh, he's never been below 500, but like, it's Mike Tomlin. He's not Andy Reid. He's not Belichick. He's not these guys, McVay, whatever. The dude wins, A, in a really high-pressured, football-loving city, one of the biggest football cities in America, one of the most widespread fan bases in America in the world. And for the better part of a decade and longer, basically, he not only balanced Ben Roethlisberger's scandal and his laziness and all that Ben Roethlisberger is, he handled that along with Antonio Brown, who at the time we didn't know it, but I'm sure was a similar person as he is now. Crazy. Crazy. He kept that under wraps for a decade and they won. Dude, that's unreal. That's honestly looking at that back now, that's one of the best, most just impressive accomplishments I've ever seen from any boss, any leader, any coach. Like, that's ridiculous. I don't even know how you keep them in the same room for an hour to watch film. Seriously. The the two personalities, especially Antonio, in that situation, like, come. <laughs> that's one of the most remarkable things I've ever seen, but I digress. I just, shout out Mike Tomlin. I don't know if anybody else could have done that. Um, as soon as they break up, we kind of learn the truth. We kind of all know about Ben. Um, but he had a good career, and he kind of rectified it a little bit. But now that he's retired, some of that stuff's resurfaced. But the Antonio Brown thing, as soon as he left Pittsburgh with that divorce, like all the stuff just started coming out. And you wonder how much Mike Tomlin had to do with covering some stuff up or basically trying to get the best out of both those players. I'll tip my hat to him. That sounds like a terrible job and a terrible position to be in, and he's made nothing but wins out of it. Crazy, mad respect. Mad respect. Um. Again, short podcast today. Um, still happy to be here with you all today. Can't wait to do another episode here in the near future. Uh, again, happy Thursday. Trust the Doc Sports Podcast here on Spotify. Um, just going to answer some fan mail here today. A uh, couple of questions here about the NFL. Hey, love the pod. What's up, man? Uh, appreciate you if you read this on the pod. Uh, going to keep listening. Keep churning out the episodes. Uh, I like to use FanDuel for betting. Uh, I've used DraftKings in the past as well. And now that the NFL is here... I'm so pumped up. It's my favorite season to bet. I can't wait to get started. Do you think I'm jumping the gun if I bet preseason games on Thursday? Thanks. <laughs> Man. Um, so we talked about installing basically best bets for the week um, for the NFL season. We're not going to start that till week one. But, you know, for obvious reasons, the preseason is just unpredictable, right? I'm not going to say don't bet it. If you want to bet, obviously you bet within your means that you can live. You know, you don't want to game all your money away. There's hotlines if you need help. Um, so definitely pursue those. But the preseason is so random. You don't know who's going to play. In the past, starting quarterbacks may play one game at the end or not at all. In the superstar quarterbacks, it's really just to evaluate your talent and see what you have in some unproven guys and make some final roster decisions. But a couple of truths about the preseason, one that I stand by, is John Harbaugh and the Ravens don't lose. <laughs> okay. I forget the exact numbers, but if I'm going to bet a preseason game, 
bet Baltimore. Okay, I think they're 20 and 0 straight up in their last 20 games, which is obviously a several year long span, uh, or several years uh, span, excuse me, for the preseason. Uh, traditionally four games this year, three, and I think 17 two and one or 17 one and two against the spread. Remarkable. I think they're coming in as about three or three and a half point favorites uh, tonight against Tennessee in the preseason, and there's no way to tell, right? I doubt we see a lot of Lamar. Some of the star players from both teams. But that was the same in the past, too. It's not like they're playing their starters four quarters. And they still win. So I think Harbaugh's about winning, regardless. Um, And I think some of these other teams focus more on developing talent and seeing what they have and making tough roster choices. So if you're going to bet preseason tonight, man, bet Ravens, minus three and a half. I would take that, honestly. Um... Some of the unders are good for preseason just because it's not starters. They're pretty low totals, usually in the 30s, but still pretty good bets, in my opinion, uh, for most teams. Patriots, Giants, who knows, man. I think the Giants are favorite um, to win, barely, but I'd probably just lean the under if you're not sure or just not bet at all. I think that would be the, the best uh, best scenario there, dude. Last fan mail question today on the pod. Hey, man, got my fantasy football draft tonight. Which players should I pick? specifically at the wide receiver position since there's so many. Thanks. So, funny you ask. Uh, I actually have one of my fantasy drafts tonight. It's my family football league, um, so not as much pressure. There's no money on the line or anything, no consequence for last. So it's really just for fun. Um, my cousins are in it, my grandparents, um, you know, uncles, aunts, uh, and my mom. So uh, we'll drop some, you know, I think clues or basically... Uh, ways to go about, approaches to go about drafting, especially in fantasy football, uh, wide receiving market with the depth around the league. It's really easy to swing and miss. And some are unavoidable, right? People get injured or out for whatever reason, and and you know, or other people just don't get the production from their quarterback. So um, the way I break it down is obviously there's your bona fide stars, Devontae, Mike Evans, like all these people that are just going to produce. Like the top 10 is pretty locked down. Jamar, Justin Jefferson, all these guys, pretty locked down, okay? Um, so so those go without saying. I would just pick based off of um, injury concerns, so maybe I lead Devontae over Mike Evans, stuff like that. Um, but everybody knows that, okay? You're just going to pick the best receivers. But when it gets down to, like, you know, past 30, things like that, or, like, low 20s, and you keep going down, and every team's got a receiver or two already um, in your league, what are you looking for in these guys? Right, so the way I do it, and I've had good success in the past doing this, is you look at teams A that you know not only the receiver is solid, but B that have really good quarterbacks. Okay, and you only have a year window where this happens. Okay, prime example: I drafted Cooper Cup last year. Um, obviously, he's going to go one of the first receivers this year, but he was not that highly touted last year. He definitely wasn't my first receiver pick. I use the philosophy, look, he's a solid receiver. He's a good receiver. Never really had that good a quarterback. He's getting Matt Stafford, who can fire the ball. I think he's going to have an outstanding season. He's extremely valuable for where I picked him. And boom, one of the best receiving leagues, uh, you know, record seasons in history that we've seen from anyone. So using philosophies like that. um, So now, you know, the reverse of that is now that everybody knows about him, you're not going to get a player like that unless you pick him in the, you know, really early picks for wide receivers. So be careful not to overdraft guys like that um, and just kind of try to get a guy or two, like a superstar, uh, at least one superstar, 
uh, at the wide receiver position and then try to draft for value, right? So I want to talk value here. And I feel like that's the pe- you know the part of it that's hard um, that you really have to think about. So uh, two examples for this year that I really, really like, okay, um, going into the league, following that same mantra, um, one being Juju Smith-Schuster going to Kansas City with Pat Mahomes and with Tyreek Hill leaving. He's going to get such a larger target share than he did in Pittsburgh. And he's not my favorite player. He's not Tyreek Hill. He's not one of the best receivers in the league. But from a fantasy perspective, he is going to get so many targets with Pat Mahomes and the Chiefs' high-powered offense, right? He's just going to rack up fantasy points. And he'll be up there. I'm sure for that reason he'll be bumped up a little bit. But he's not going to be in the top 15, top 20 receivers, right? People aren't going to jump on to draft him necessarily in your draft above some of these other more proven solid receivers. Pick him. Pick him. You will not regret it. Pick him. He's got a great quarterback, new team. It's sort of unproven. When he has a, a better year than his, you know, he's going to have a career year this year just because he's with Mahomes. And the next year, people will overdraft him. It's just how fantasy football works. You have to be one year ahead of the curve. Okay. So, so really looking to teams like that. And just to give another example, um, we can look at the Broncos. Uh, Russell Wilson obviously is going to make that offense better. Still a primarily running team. I like Juju's pick better. But two guys on that team that I really look into now that Patrick's out is Jerry Judy. Um, one, for sure. I would. I, I think he's an amazing pick. And Cortland Sutton. Both going to be really, really good picks in fantasy this year. Uh, I would try to get one of them, if not both, on your team. Um Sutton's underrated. He's a beast. He's going to get way better. Uh, one thing that I wanted to highlight here in the Broncos situation is Jerry Judy. I was looking at stats from last year with Drew Locke and you know the other quarterbacks playing. And Jerry Judy, of all wide receivers ranked in the NFL, the whole league, he was number one in basically measured separation in routes throughout the whole year. Number one. Okay, the guy can get open. The thing the guy didn't have was the ball <laughs> because his quarterback couldn't get him the ball, right? I think I think he was ranked, oh, man, what was it? I think he was ranked like 86th in basically QB accuracy of throws to him in the league. Basically getting him the ball when he's open was abysmal, the opposite end of that spectrum. And now with Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is an accurate quarterback. He will find open receivers, especially with their play-action game that they're going to have. Both of those guys are going to produce big time, big time. Not saying Russ is going to be an MVP, but from a fantasy perspective, Jerry Judy and Sutton are going to be amazing. And I think you have a better chance of getting Sutton just because Jerry Judy's name carries a little more weight. Um, and so I think I think he'll probably get drafted first. Um, but I would try to get one of those two guys on your team, especially from the value perspective, since none of them are like Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup right now. They're not going to be one of the top 15 receivers off the board, most likely, in your league. So definitely look for situations like that with new quarterbacks, new receivers in new situations with a much better quarterback, and draft those kind of guys. I've, I've used that every year for fantasy. Um, like you said, pick a number one receiver when you have the chance. Pick a Devontae, pick a Cooper, pick a Mike Evans, pick those guys, Jamar Chase, obviously. But when you get to your second, third, fourth receiver picks, think about stuff like that. Okay, Think about that. And it could really, really help you. Another pick, maybe not the best example, um, just came to me right now, but the Saints with Jameis, I know he just rolled his ankle, but if he's healthy, 
Um, they have a good defense. He, if anything, can sling the rock. Not saying they're going to have a 13-win season, but if anything Jameis can do, he can make receivers produce. Okay, he slings the rock. And Olave, I, he could be, I mean, he looks sweet. Don't get me wrong. He could have a really good year. But I think people forget about Michael Thomas with all his drama and since he's been out for so long. Before he was out, he had, what, 130 receptions that year? Was a fantasy beast, especially PPR leagues. I'm picking Michael Thomas, man. I don't think he's going to be up in the top 10. He might be. I'd have to check the updated rankings. But tonight, when I'm drafting, I'm looking for him as my second receiver pick. Right? I think he's going to be underdrafted for that reason. I think a lot of people forgot about him. Not in the news a lot. Um, unsure about Jameis and the Saints. I think he's going to produce. I do. So guys like that, just look for those new situations with new quarterbacks that are much better than their old quarterback um, and whatnot, and and you'll do great in your fantasy draft, and, and keep that in mind for every position. It's about the player that's going to get the most targets and who have the best quarterback for like tight ends and wide receivers and whatnot. So keep that in mind heading to your draft. Uh, wish me luck tonight in my draft. Uh, hopefully I don't struggle. It's a smaller league, so everybody's team is going to look stacked. Uh, I think it's like an 8, eight or a 10-person league. Um, none of the 12, 13 stuff. So um, you'll be able to fill out the. I'll be able to fill out the roster nicely. But going up against the two-time uh, returning champ, my mom. <laughs> you know she hates losing more than I do. Um, big Cowboys fan, and uh, like I said, we were trying to do the the draft over vacation a couple weeks ago. She refused because she didn't have time to do her research. Uh, I've been told uh, by other members of my family that she just finally got back. Um, an hour ago, plane landed. She uh, finally visited all 32 training camps, talked to some agents. Uh, I think she was just finishing up her dinner with um, Pat Mahomes and Andy Reid uh, outlook for their division this year and see if he can keep his production. Um, <laughs> so um, she's intense. I'm nervous. Not going to lie, nervous. Um, but wish me luck tonight, guys. Good luck in your fantasy drafts moving forward. Like I said, spread the love, spread the joy. Better days ahead. Only a couple weeks away from real football, real NBA. Best time of the year coming up for the next several months. Just enjoy it. Spend time with your friends and family. Spread the joy of the game. All right? Trust the Doc Sports Podcast. Till next time, guys. Peace.